Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. From my experience over the years, uh, I have found that Christians have a hard time with the Old Testament. And it's not that the Old Testament is really hard to understand, really. I think it's mainly because uh, we don't read it much. We don't immerse ourselves in the word. And so when we get to the New Testament, sometimes it's hard to understand what's going on in the New Testament with the background of the old. I think a perfect example is the book of Revelation. If you've been in Pastor Schaff's class, you realize that the entire book of Revelation is based on Old Testament imagery. And if you don't know the Old Testament You'll never understand the book of Revelation. That's a big problem today in our culture. Now, John was immersed in the Old Testament literature. And God used that background in John to reveal his story of the church in triumph and in tribulation in that book. So John related what he saw based on what he knew, and John knew his Bible. All he had was the Old Testament. And that's similar to what the gospel reading is today. In today's Gospel of Matthew, he quotes three Old Testament passages to confirm what he's talking about concerning Jesus Christ. And when you read those Old Testament texts in the context of Matthew, you have to figure out, how did he get that interpretation for that scripture to talk about Jesus? And then you can even ask yourself, and so how do those texts relate to me? And that's a great question, too. I'm glad you asked. We will look at those three prophecies this morning, a little in depth. And the story is, of course, the angel warns Joseph of the coming danger and the disaster coming upon the land with the famine, uh, uh, with the uh, disaster with Herod. So he's told to flee to Egypt and stay there until it's safe that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. Now that quote is a direct quote from the prophet Hosea in chapter 11. And in that context, Hosea is warning Israel of God's coming judgment because of their rebellion. You think, what? That promise in that chapter in Hosea doesn't seem to make sense in Matthew's context. So you'd be a little confused. We'll come back to that thing about Egypt in a minute. So you'll know the story. While Joseph and Mary are fleeing with Jesus to Egypt, Satan uses Herod to try to destroy this baby lamb king that was prophesied. Scholars estimate, from what I can find out, that around 12 to 20 babies were killed in that general area there, which is still a pretty tragic event. In Matthew's mind, that slaughter relates to the prophecy from Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ram, a lamentation, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. In this context, Rachel represents the nation of Israel. And she is mourning when God's rebellious children were taken away into captivity in Babylon during Jeremiah's ministry. So how does that relate? 
Well, Matthew applies that tragedy to what happens in Bethlehem. Sadly, though, the lives of those children of Bethlehem were permanently lost. They didn't go into exile. They were destroyed, never to return. That's Matthew's point. And how does that apply to you as a Christian? Well, in our calendar, the church calendar that I mentioned, that countercultural thing we follow, we call this event the Holy Innocents. And we celebrate it on December 26th because of the babies that were martyred. And we call them martyrs because they died because of the testimony of Jesus Christ. We are the new covenant Israel. We are Rachel weeping for the loss of millions of children due to abortion. And we stand in the gap interceding for the life of the world. Rachel weeps. God dwells in the midst of his people that is guaranteed, but he didn't promise you a happy, carefree life, free from tribulation, temptation, disaster, or persecution. Life can and does bring sorrow, pain, mourning, doubt, even depression. What God does promise is that you will have deep joy and peace in the midst of all that bad and evil stuff going on in the world. He does promise to be with us even through the valley of the shadow of death. He does promise that our end will be glorious no matter what life throws at us. St. Paul tells us in the book of Romans this very famous passage we all know. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those according, according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus, the son, has gone before you to blaze a path for your eternal salvation. So let's go back to Egypt, shall we? The original trip down to Egypt started with our reading in Genesis chapter 46. And you know that context as well, because it's familiar to us. Joseph was betrayed and sold into slavery by his brothers, God turned that evil event into a blessing. He allowed Joseph to become the main guy under Pharaoh. His father Jacob, who was named changed to Israel, was experienced famine in the land. And the Lord said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. The Lord uses the tragic event of Joseph to bring about Israel's salvation. Out of Egypt I called my son. The Lord is revealed as a compassionate and caring father. And the text continues, Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. 
Israel went down to Egypt to escape the famine, and everything's going to be great because Joseph's there and Joseph will save us, right? Well, you know the story. God sends them there, and they end up being enslaved. But Lord, you sent us here. You said you'd be with us. Why is this happening to me, to us? You promised to bring us up out of Egypt. You promised, I prayed, and you didn't answer me. Does that sound familiar at all? Sometimes we're the same way, huh? See, God's timing is not our timing, and we have to understand that. So God raises up Moses as a type of Christ to deliver his people. And as God promised, eventually he took his children as an exodus out of Egypt. Out of Egypt I called my son. They are passed over in judgment because of the blood of the lamb. They are baptized through the Red Sea. Miraculously fed with heavenly bread. Supplied abundant water from the rock and so much more so they can fulfill God's plan to bless all the nations through the seed of Abraham. But in the context of Hosea, when we go back there, we hear the cry of a broken-hearted father. Israel, the chosen son, turned his back on God. Hosea says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The prophets called to them, but they drew away. They sacrificed to the Baals and burned incense to carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. That's the context of that scripture. Rebellious Israel, as God's chosen son, was released from captivity in Egypt, journeyed to the land of promise to achieve God's purpose. And they failed to fulfill that purpose. Therefore, history was yearning for a retribution and restoration and achievement of God's end through the promise to Abraham. In your seed, all the nations shall be blessed. Despite all the heavenly, fatherly love, the care, the provision and compassion of God, the children kept rebelling, complaining about life. Oh, why me? And committing idolatry. Then they crossed the Jordan River to conquer their enemies and enter into the land of promise, but they continue to rebel, complain about life, and commit idolatry. And so the divine redemption of Israel as God's son didn't bring a transformation of these rebellious sinners. And God's mission to save the world seems to fail in Israel as the son of God. God, the son, Jesus Christ, is sent down to Egypt to escape the destruction by Herod. John says in the book of Revelation, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Here's the most important point of this scripture today, people. Jesus is 
Israel. The incarnate son, the last Adam, standing in the place of all humanity. Everything Israel failed to accomplish was completed in God's only begotten son. And he came up out of Egypt to free his people from the slavery of sin and the bondage of the devil. And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Well, that's a quote from the book of Judges concerning the life of Samson. Samson had a vow to live as a Nazarite, consecrated to God's service. And so no drinks connected to grapes, wine, no cutting of the hair, and don't touch dead bodies. And Samson failed miserably through lust and arrogant pride to uphold that vow. So how does that apply to you, this scripture? Well, Jesus ate and drank wine with sinners. He mingled with unclean. He touched our sicknesses and our diseases. He touched and raised our dead. Jesus went beyond the Nazarite vow and kept himself pure, undefiled, free of any sin, so he could offer his body as an unblemished lamb of God. And God says to you, be holy, for I am holy. Jesus walks in our shoes in every single way. And in baptism, he removes the body of sin that entangles you in this life. And he fills you with his Holy Spirit presence to empower your life to live for him. We are the royal priesthood, dwelling in the most holy place, Christ's body. See, Matthew understood the deeper meaning of all these Old Testament texts. All the New Testament writers interpret the entire Old Testament in light of Jesus Christ. So all of this applies to you as the people of God. Jesus, the true Son of God, fulfills and completes everything that was lacking in national Israel's history and life. Jesus went everywhere God's people went. He fled to Egypt so he could return at the perfect time to accomplish his exodus to the cross for you. He's the bread from heaven to fill your spiritual hunger. He is the rock who gives the Holy Spirit as living water for your spiritual thirst. At his baptism, he stood in the Jordan and then he journeyed into the wilderness as Israel did. In the wilderness, without bread and water, the sun overcame temptation to exercise earthly power and idolatry. He faced Satan's seduction as God's people did, but he never sinned. He's victorious for us even when we fall short. He is the unblemished lamb for all our sins, the final prophet, word of God, the great high priest, king of kings, fulfiller of the law, and the new and living tabernacle of God. He went to the cross to die where we should have been. Jesus takes the place of Israel. He takes our place. He reenacts Israel's history. But where Israel failed, 
miserably, where we fail miserably, Jesus succeeds triumphantly in every way. He goes above and beyond in every detail of life. And this is our story as well, people of God. Because Jesus did all of that for us, we have all he is through him. United with the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the fullness of Jesus. We are the prophetic word of God to the nations, the royal priesthood offering spiritual sacrifice. We are the holy nation ruling with Christ as kings, living stones in his holy dwelling place, his body. Hunger satisfied, thirst quenched, body and soul nourished on our journey toward our Father's house. All of this for you, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken through the Lord, by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Amen. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.